Do you think life would be much easier if you didn't have emotions and feelings? If I didn't have feelings, I wouldn't get so angry at the injustices in the world. I wouldn't fear being judged when putting out a new podcast episode. I wouldn't feel the pride and joy at watching my daughter grow and succeed in life. I wouldn't feel the love and the admiration towards my wife. I wouldn't delight in watching Manchester City dominate another Premier League. I wouldn't feel the excitement of listening to live performances. So maybe we need emotions, right? But do you find it's hard to describe emotions or put into words exactly how you're feeling? Depending on what research or researchers you read about, there appears to be anywhere between 6 or 8 or 34,000 emotions. Yes, you can see why emotions are a bit messy and somewhat confusing. Hopefully this episode will provide a little more clarity. Whilst feelings and emotions make our life colourful, without them, where would we be? Probably like robots and life would be just boring. Yet emotions and feelings are often used interchangeably. Are they really the same thing? In this episode, we're going to have a look at how many emotions there are, and I promise you, not 34,000 of them. What are they and their key ingredients? Why do we have feelings and what's the difference between feelings and emotions and how to tell? Welcome to Man Talk, a podcast of real conversations about life, your life, our life and the emotional well-being of men. My name is Howard Todd Collins. I'm a psychotherapist and consultant and coach in private practice and I'm the founder and the host of Man Talk. So sit back and relax and join me. We're going to get a little bit more emotional for this latest episode of Men Talk. Hello, 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 hello. How many hellos can I put in there? I do tend to do more than one hello in most of my episodes. I've noticed that. That was about five or six. Anywho, I hope you are well. Thank you for joining me for episode number five. It will be great to hear how you're experiencing these episodes and these topics of Mantalk. Please let me know what you think. You can email me at hello at mantalk.com.au. It will be great to get some constructive feedback and maybe even some ideas of other topics you would like to see included in these series. Here's a question for you. How many emotions do you think there are? Well, in 1972, there was some research done by a psychologist, Paul Ekman, who suggested that there are basically six emotions that are universal throughout human culture. And in the 1980s, another guy called Robert Plutchik, another researcher and psychologist, he introduced uh, what was called an emotion classification system, which was known as the Wheel of Emotions. It basically is a model that demonstrates how different emotions can be combined or mixed together. And in the, in the late 1990s, Ekman returned back to his original research and expanded the list of, of basic emotions to 12, which to this day remains one of the most popular guides in the field of, field of psychology. So the 12 emotions that Paul Ekman considers that are basic are the following. Anger, fear, 
sadness, disgust, surprise, joy, embarrassment, contempt, shame, pride, satisfaction, and amusement. And I guarantee some of you were counting as I was listing these emotion words to you. Now, you and I are born with these wired into our brains, these basic emotions. And these this kind of wiring causes our body to react and get triggered into certain behaviors based on certain urges. And we're going to explain that a bit more later in the episode. But these 12 emotion words don't really express the complexities of our feelings, really. Each of these emotions just have other feelings attached to them. So just for example, if you think about being angry, so if you have anger as part of your emotional experiences, you may say that you feel angry or you may say you feel frustrated or irritable or you're furious or outraged. If you're feeling joy, you may say, I feel happy or delighted, or I'm enjoying myself. You may say if you're feeling fear that you're feeling anxious or nervous or panicky and so on. So there's so many words that we use to describe our emotions. I will leave a link to the uh, Wheel of Emotion. It's a useful tool to learn to understand your own emotion language. So I'll leave the link in the show notes for you. But what are emotions and why do we need them? Emotions are biological states connected to your nervous system. They are triggered by mental and physical stimulus, such as thoughts and experiences. Emotions let you know what to do in any given situation. They help you avoid danger or potential threat. If your heart jumps as soon as your car swerves to the side of the road, that's your cue to tighten your grip on the wheel and steer back in the right direction. Emotions will motivate you to take action. They are clues to give you a sense of what you like and what you dislike. They will help others to understand you and what you feel. And emotions are crucial to effective communication. Emotions essentially are chemicals released in response to your interpretation of a particular trigger or event. And can you believe it actually takes the brain about one quarter of a second to identify the trigger, another quarter of a second to produce the chemicals? And these chemicals are released throughout your whole body, not just your brain. They form a sort of feedback loop between the brain and the body. And all of that goes for six seconds. So emotions are physical, measured by blood flow, brain activity, facial expressions, and body language. Therefore, in many ways, emotions tend to be more predictable and easily recognized and understood. There's such a vast amount of research now in understanding the relationship between the body and the mind when it comes to our mental health. The mind-body connection means that it's our thoughts and feelings and beliefs and attitudes can have such positive or negative impacts on our biological functioning. In other words, our minds can affect how healthy our bodies are and vice versa. In making sense of your emotions, though, it's worth understanding some of the key ingredients by considering the following three components.
Emotions activate your thoughts, attitudes and beliefs about what is happening in your life, which ultimately determines how you will act. There are three key elements that's worth considering. The first one is subjective experience. Now, whilst the research suggests that we all experience basic universal emotions, doesn't matter where we're living in the world or what kind of background or culture or gender, we're also beginning to understand, of course, that experiencing emotion can be highly subjective. We have broad labels for emotions like angry or sad or happy, but your own experience of these emotions will be much more multidimensional and therefore highly subjective, depending on your own experience of your own life. You may realize that you don't always experience pure forms of each emotion. Mixed emotions over different events or situations, of course, are really common. For example, if you start a new job, you may feel both excited and anxious or nervous. Getting married or Preparing to be a father or a parent is likely to involve a variety of emotions, from joy to fear. You may experience these emotions simultaneously, or you may feel them one after the other, highly subjective in nature. The second key element is the physiological response. This is kind of really fascinating and involves a little bit of understanding the body and the brain. Emotions cause strong physiological reactions. I've no doubt you have felt your stomach tighten when you get anxious or you get sweaty palms or a racing heartbeat if you're fearful. The physiological responses to emotions are regulated by your sympathetic nervous system, which is part of the autonomic nervous system. The autonomic nervous system controls involuntary body responses like your blood flow and your digestion. The sympathetic nervous system controls your body's fight-or-flight reactions. So when facing a threat, these responses automatically prepare prepare your body to flee from danger or face the threat head-on. Whilst many of the early studies of the physiology of emotion focused on autonomic responses, the most recent and fascinating research has targeted the brain's role in emotions, and in particular, the limbic system, which is part of the brain. The limbic system is made up of the hypothalamus, the amygdala, the hippocampus, and the limbic cortex. And it seems that different emotions tend to be located in different parts of the limbic system. The limbic system is responsible for what's called the six Fs. And that's the fight, the fleeing, the feeding, the fear, the freezing, and the fornicating, which all of which, by the way, are incidentally the favourite pastimes of lizards, which is why the limbic system is often known as the lizard brain. Now, these six Fs are essential for us to survive, to, to explore, to expand, and to reproduce. This ancient part of the human brain was and still remains highly valuable to our survival. So it's the combination of the chemicals surging through our bodies and the brain's capacity to adapt and respond that makes the physiology of emotion an incredibly dynamic process. Now the research into the brain is ongoing, it just continues and we keep discovering more and more new things that we never even knew about. The third component or the third element is the one that you're probably most familiar with. 
The final element or component of emotion is the behavioral response. It's the actual expression of emotion. We spend a significant amount of time interpreting the emotional expressions of the people around us, whether we're aware of it or not. Our ability to accurately understand these expressions is tied up to what we know as emotional intelligence. And these expressions play such a big part in our overall body language. Research suggests that many expressions are universal, like a smile to indicate happiness or a frown to indicate sadness. But there are also many socio-cultural norms that play a role in how we express and interpret feelings. Behavioural responses signal to others how we're feeling. But research also shows that they're vital to our well-being. In a study in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology, they found that while watching negative and positive emotional films, suppression of behavioural responses to emotion had physical effects on the people watching the movies. And one example was elevated heart rates. So very broadly, this suggests that expressing behavioural responses to stimuli, so positive and negative, is much better for our overall health and well-being than withholding those responses inside. And this is something that's really relevant, particularly to men who end up withholding a lot of their emotions and not expressing them enough, and they get held within the body. There are clearly benefits not only to smiling and laughing, but also to express negative emotions in healthy ways. Emotions continuously regulate every living cell in your body to adapt to emerging threats and opportunities. They provide raw data about the world around you that is essential essential to your functioning. Emotions are linked to your brain and therefore produces certain psychophysiological changes that allow you to adapt to your environment. So what's a feeling and why do we have them? And what's the difference between feelings and emotions? Hello, hello. I'm sorry for interrupting this episode. I'm just dropping by firstly to ask you a question. What do you think the most common complaint most men and women make about their relationship? Well, it's communication problems. You thought I was going to say sex, didn't you? Well, that is actually a close second. But so many men in particular complain that they get tongue-tied and twisted when trying to communicate or open up with their partner. And often they end up shutting down or just saying the wrong things. So what is good communication in a relationship, I hear you ask? I'm so glad that you did. Well, I've actually created a free guide Better Conversations for Blokes. It's a quick and easy guide to improving communication in your relationship. It's got heaps of tips and tricks and skills and actual phrases that you can use right now. It's made just for you. You can get the free guide in the show notes. Finish the episode and check out the show notes and find a way of improving your communication with your partner right now. A 
fundamental difference between emotions and feelings is that feelings are experienced consciously, while emotions tend to manifest themselves either consciously or subconsciously. Emotions and feelings are two sides of the same coin. One side is emotion, hardwired and a universal physical response, and the other side are feelings, mental associations and other reactions to an emotion that are personal. So your feelings are acquired through your experience. Feelings are mental. They cannot be measured always that precisely because they are more subjective, somewhat idiosyncratic and occasionally a tad confusing. Feelings are the physical and mental sensations that arise as we internalize emotions. Dr. Sarah Mackay, who's a neuroscientist and author of the Your Brain Health blog, describes it beautifully. Emotions play out in the theatre of the body, whilst feelings play out in the theatre of the mind. So why do we have feelings? Your feelings are how you begin to make sense or make meaning of an emotion. Your feelings will cause you to pay attention and react to any kind of perceived threats or opportunities that are coming your way. You're acting on data from your emotions. A feeling is the way in which you interpret the emotion and you give it a name or a few names. So therefore, depending on your personality, your beliefs and your past experiences, you will interpret the emotion and this will produce different kinds of feelings. So for example, imagine you've been lucky enough to have landed your dream job. The emotion that overwhelms you probably will be the emotion of joy. And that will manifest itself in other feelings like well, satisfaction or optimism or even gratitude amongst other feelings. So how do you tell the difference between emotion and feelings? Well, generally, emotions are usually fleeting. It's the feelings that they provoke that tend to persist or grow over a lifetime. Emotions are inborn and common to all of us. The meanings they acquire and the feelings they prompt are deeply personal. Emotions come first and then feelings come after as the emotion chemicals work through your body and your brain and you begin to make sense of your experience. There are so many different ways, of course, to feel a particular emotion. So just for example, from my own life, I never used to think that I experienced the emotion of anger. I thought I was pretty chilled and relaxed, that I didn't get angry very often. The truth of it was I never really noticed that it was anger. I would tend to be funny or cynical rather than getting annoyed. I'd also go very quiet. So the experience of anger for me signaled some kind of danger, which prompted feelings of fear. So I didn't notice the anger, but I did notice my own fear or my own anxiety. So I would get scared. I'd get scared at my anger, that it may hurt people, and I would get scared of other people's anger. And all this was going on for many, many years without me even noticing a thing. So these same emotions may stir up something different in your feelings for you and, of course, feelings for other people. For example, there are many people that feel empowered by anger rather than threatened. They have learned to manage anger and express anger very well. 
And they've also learnt in some ways that maybe fear or anxiety is more dangerous, just the opposite of my life. So somebody may overlook their fear instead feeling angry in response to any kind of physical signals that they're feeling fearful or scared. Emotions and feelings are part of us and they influence us to such a great extent that it creates the way we make decisions in everyday life. And in many cases, we're not always aware of the role they play in the way we experience life. Most people, of course, are more comfortable feeling certain kinds of emotions and stay away from others. Like for me, for example, with my anger, I would stay away from anger, but I would feel more anxious and scared instead. And we're not always aware, of course, of underlying emotions. So let me guide you through a moment of your own self-reflection. Just for a moment, think back to a recent situation that was frustrating. Maybe someone cut you off in the queue, or maybe you couldn't make your laptop work, or your phone wasn't working properly, or you lost your parking space, for example, and you were feeling frustrated. Were you also feeling angry or sad in response to the frustration, or were you feeling something else as well as the frustration? Were you just feeling resigned or a bit helpless or a bit self-blaming? Many, many men that I work with will use the term frustration as a really common emotional expression of something not quite working for them. And frustration is a really important emotion to talk about. It very rarely is also an emotion that is happening purely on its own. There's usually other feelings attached to that particular emotion like frustration. Or even think back to a recent situation that was disappointing. Maybe a friend or a partner let you down, or you didn't get something you were hoping for, maybe a job, or maybe you didn't live up to your own standards for some reason. Were you feeling, or did you feel sad or angry or hurt? Or were you feeling sad, angry or hurt? And also other feelings, maybe like hopelessness or guilt or embarrassment. Just some examples for you to think about when you look back on these situations that maybe give you some clues that you experience more than one emotion and more than one feeling at the time. The reason why it's so valuable sometimes is that when you can express yourself more fully, you can kind of make more sense of your situation. And certainly, if you're sharing these emotional experiences with someone you trust, they will get to understand you a lot more. Getting a handle on your emotions will help you communicate what you need, either from yourself or to the people close to you. So I encourage you to learn to recognize your emotions and your feelings because it's critical to your emotional intelligence. And remember that feelings can be so different from one person to another. Emotions and feelings function within all of us because they play such a key role in how we engage with others. They are a powerful influence behind many of our actions, whether they're helpful or unhelpful. 
So when you become more self-aware and you can begin to identify what you're feeling, you're turning off the autopilot of your brain as you determine where your feelings and emotions are coming from and acknowledging their presence and then taking control back in navigating and improving your life, your relationships and your confidence. This episode is the final of the first season number one of Man Talk, the podcast. I'm taking a short break. Season two will be starting in the next few weeks or so. If you haven't already subscribed, subscribe to the Man Talk newsletter. This is the best way of staying informed about everything to do with Man Talk, including the latest episodes of the podcast. In the meantime, get in touch. Tell me what topics you'd like to hear more of that really matter to you. All the details of how to stay connected to me are in the show notes. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please tell your mates, give me a review of wherever you found the podcast. Follow me on Insta at ManTalkWithHoward. And as I said, sign up to the newsletter. It's the best way to stay informed. Catch you again in the next season and the next episode of ManTalk. <laughs>